Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome to another podcast episode of A Fit Life on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Music has been an integral part of my life since I was little, and it continues to be today. Therefore, when the opportunity presented itself to interview someone who has lived and breathed music his whole life, well, I did everything I could to have him on my show. Mr. Dan Rogers is someone who knows a lot about music, knows what it takes to be in the spotlight, succeed at the highest level, to lose a few battles along the way, and reconquer his passion and love for writing and performing his own music. He joins us today on A Fit Life to talk about his past, present, and future endeavors, and being related to one of the most iconic figures in country music. Therefore, without further ado, please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Dan Rogers. Hi, Dan. How are you? Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, fun. my God. Oh, it's so nice to have you on the show. Thank you for, for sharing the uh, your time with, uh, with, with the podcast. So how are you? You know what? I, I have no complaints at all. I live in Newport Beach, California. The sun is out. It's beautiful. And mm -hmm. as long as the sun is shining, I'm a happy guy. That's exactly my point. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. the way I look at things. So so I have some of the questions you submitted to me previously. But before I get into the questions, tell me who Dan Rogers is. Oh, well, well uh, I can tell you that I've been a singer-songwriter since I was uh, maybe 14, 15. I wrote my first uh, top 20 pop hit for a gentleman named Johnny Nash when I was 15. And uh, I've had hits uh, myself as an artist from 1979 and 80, big pop hit. In fact, Kenny and I had kind of a Guinness Book moment. We were the first two relatives ever to enter the Billboard Top 10 at the same time. Wow. He was number five with Coward of the County. I was number six with Looks Like Love Again right behind him. So I've written for and played with some big artists and um, had some success on my own. Uh, but, uh, you know, life took a turn for me about 33 years ago this month. I got clean and sober. Hmm. And uh, that became more of a focus of doing what I call life work. And, um, I'm a pretty laid back, happy, contented man these days. Got a great life, great wife, um, great friends. You know, what more could we ask for? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't have COVID. Oh, God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Yes. And, and, and the faith, right? I, I, you have a strong faith? I sure do. I'm a, I'm a faith-driven and purpose-driven person. Uh, I am uh, very much in touch with 
uh, my higher power that I call God uh, on a sometimes hourly basis. Uh, I can never mm -hmm. be connected to the spirit enough as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, that's that's, that's what it's my, all about, right? <laughs> what it's all about. That's what it's all about, giving back. So let's talk about the um, the new 19 song double album collection called it's, it's life reflections and life revealed correct it's actually called life and there's two cds in there one is called the first one is life reflections okay and the second is life revealed mm -hmm. this was a collection of songs i haven't released an album in quite a while many years actually but i continued to write record produce and perform uh but this was the first collection that i've released and yeah, it's kind of a daring move to release 19 songs in this marketplace, but um, yeah. at my age, I figured, what have I got to lose? You know, you put 19 songs out there, somebody's going to find one of them they like. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm sure they're all good. Trust me. <laughs> the reviews have been fabulous. I'm very excited about it. I was set to release the album in March mm -hmm. and Kenny passed away. Yes. Uh, the 20th. I was going to release it uh, in, uh, I think, the 25th or something. And uh, I, I just could not go out and talk about myself, my work. I was doing some grieving like everybody else. So we waited until September 25th, been a couple of months now, put it out and uh, didn't have a lot of fanfare with it. I really wanted to let it be organic and grow, find its audience, and it's doing that. And I'm really, really proud of it and proud of the reviews that are coming in on it where did you find the inspiration you know i am a guy that writes about life my observations my lessons i've learned my heartache my joys triumphs so that's uh, been my inspiration always for writing i i go way back into my childhood i'm a trauma survivor was uh um like many people out there, a victim of some pretty horrendous trauma as a yeah. child, which is what drove me to become a songwriter, singer, to be able to express myself. Right. And, um, you know, and I later found sobriety and um, found a, a foundation that I love working with called Rise Canyon Ranch, where we deal with the horses and the patients. Uh, equine therapy is what it's called. Um, so I find a lot of inspiration these days. It's funny because I literally fell in love with the girl next door here in Newport Beach. I, mm. She was a widow and I met her across the fence and we started talking and uh, literally fell in love with the girl next door. So for four years, I've been incredibly happy and i find it really hard to sit down and write sad songs i told her you've ruined my songwriting career <laughs> oh wow you know there is something that we do have in common i fell in love with my next door neighbor too as well so yes yeah, so uh, sometimes you just have to look outside the window right <laughs> that's right isn't that something else it's really something else so um, and I understand that you are an author as well. You have a new book called Love, Laughter, and Rage. Tell me about tell me about the book, please. I wrote this book back in 2010 and had a few copies printed up in 2011 and gave them away. Um, in fact, I had about 500 copies printed up. I was doing a PBS TV special, which uh, I wanted to use as a book signing event as well, and. Um, but I finally released it officially this year. 
Uh, and a great thing is, is that um, when Kenny heard that I had written this book, he sent word to me through his assistant, wanted to know if he could read it. And I didn't even have the book printed. I had a manuscript. And so I FedExed it to uh, Debbie, his assistant. She put it on his bus at five o'clock on Friday afternoon and at two o'clock on Sunday. Hmm. She called me and said, Kenny has written a foreword for your book if you want to use it. He was so impressed. He said he couldn't put it down. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was really proud of that. So, But I finally went ahead and just decided to go ahead and officially release it this year. Um, I guess I'm kind of the patriarch left as far as music goes in the family. But there's a lot of other, t my sons are great songwriters. So there's a lot of us in the business that... Um, uh, have talent in the family, uh, but I'm I'm like the oldest now. I'm 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 the uh, the big tree ready to fall in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> wow, no, that's that's awesome. Uh, was it always music with you? Was was there yeah. something else? Maybe maybe in sports or no. No, it was it was always music, right? You know, at 11 years old, my dad was in the music business. He was a producer, promotion man, took me to the recording studio uh, with him because I was the firstborn son. He would always take me to work. I grew up in radio stations, uh, recording studios, just a really cool sandbox, as I call it, to play in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I watched a guy named Mickey Newberry write a song called I Just Dropped In to See What Condition My Condition Was In right in front of me. He was Uncle Mickey to me. He's a friend of the family. And I knew at that moment, because I made a suggestion, hey, why don't you say this? And he said, that's great. Write it down. And I was so just thrilled to be a part of something creative that I knew at that moment, that was what I wanted to do. And like I said, by the time I was 15, I had uh, written, actually co-written with a family friend, a song called My Merry-Go-Round that was the follow-up single that I can see clearly now. Mm -hmm. And the, Johnny Nash cut it at the Beatles studio in London. John Lennon came in and heard it, sent word to me personally that it was the most beautiful song he'd ever heard in his life. So, wow. I mean, where do you go from 15 when a Beatles sends you a message, right? Oh, my God. I tell everybody I started at the top and worked my way down. In the <laughs> my God. Yeah, that that's amazing. That is really amazing. Because that, that was going to be my next question to one of your idols, right? It was the Beatles, right? That they're the ones who inspired you and, and motivated you, right? Correct? Yeah, they were all four amazing guys. And I'll tell you, probably the biggest honor I've had uh, bestowed on me since I released this 19 song collection is someone said, compared this album to Sgt. Pepper's and the Beach Boys um, Pet Sounds, mm -hmm. because each song on this new album is different from the other. I didn't go in and do a cookie cutter album where I did 10 songs that sounded alike. That's marketing and promotion from labels that's how they sell records so i didn't want to be identified uh like that i wanted every song in this record to be different and to be as great as i could make it and so yeah i really loved i got to meet george martin the beatles producer spent some time with him in the 80s and he was wonderful and so yeah man i remember being about six years old seven years old and maybe 10 i don't remember but i was young and we pulled up, my dad and I in the car pulled up to the house and he reached over and turned the radio up and I want to hold your hand was on. And he said, listen, this is what's happening now. These are, these guys are going to be huge. Wow. So, 
Huge, yeah. is, huge is an understatement, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, so you've been clean and sober now for 33 years. And you also talk about the foundation, the Rice Canyon Ranch. Let's let's talk about the foundation. Well, I actually woke up about, I don't know, eight months ago. I said to my wife, I, I had horses in my early days. Uh, and I said to my wife, I really want to go be around horses again. Um, you know, where I live in Newport Beach by the beach, no room for horses here. Uh, and so, and then in my prayer and meditation time one morning, I got the idea, wow, wouldn't it be great to combine horse, the horses with uh, trauma patients and, uh, and a therapist. And so I called uh, uh, my therapist and told her the idea. And she said, you know, it's being done already. She gave me uh, the three different people I called and went out and met with uh, Teresa and Dale Dubois at Rise Canyon Ranch. And uh, it was an immediate connection. They do superior work with patients in the ring with horses. It's not horseback riding. It's the horses reading the patient's spirit. Very special animals, very special people. And so I just came in and volunteered to try to help uh, them with some business approach and some long-term planning and, um, you know, to make that my way of giving back. I, I just realized that I needed to give. I, I want, there comes a point in time in your life where when you're living a good life, where you really need to think about giving back, uh, because I have this saying that says, if you ain't giving, you ain't living. So it's in the giving where we get our blessings. Right. Well, that's the Christian philosophy, right? It really is. It really is. You got to give back. Absolutely. You have a new platform called Fanzer. Yeah. Um, it's launching in 2021. Talk to me a little bit about this platform. You know, uh, the platform is designed where we're really in the process of laying out a bunch of different programs to build and grow this thing. I think we're going to start out with a mentoring uh, platform where where successful major artists can mentor younger people. Uh, and we're going to, of course, do it uh, video, the whole thing. And, but I have plans to uh, extend this platform into making it a platform where young artists can come and basically have their own record label within Fanzer. There's a lot of independent artists out there right now. Mm -hmm. There's... I forget, I just read the numbers this morning. I think it was something like 14 plus million independent artists out there today. Wow. So we really need a platform, a multi-dimensional platform for these artists to go and just have everything templated for them to yeah. be able to find their way and promote and market their music. What's your what's your assessment? Of the music industry today, I mean, it's it's always evolving, right? Every every decade, it's evolving. New artists coming along. What what is your what is your thought on on, on the music industry today? It's changed so much. And of course, I'm 67. I'll be 68. Uh, You're 67. Oh my god, you look you look amazing. Oh my god. Oh, thank you. I, well, you know, I live in a very healthy environment. Mm -hmm. People here are very healthy. I know your podcast is Fit Life. And I told my wife last year, I said, I went and joined the gym and the trainer told me to start slow. So I just 
today I drove by it real slow. <laughs> and he said to me, wear loose fitting clothes. And I said, if I had loose fitting clothes, I wouldn't need to be here paying you to <laughs> give me a shake. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, gosh, I forgot your question. I'm, I'm going through mental pause. Yeah, the music industry, how it's changed. Oh, well, yeah. it's changed so much in front of my eyes. And really the music, the commercial music industry, I see it as two different industries. The commercial music industry of the major labels, mm -hmm. publishers that have their artists that they, they get the big push. And then there's the rest of us who are all boutique artists and uh, independent artists out there finding our way. I've had some success, never at Kenny's level, but I've rubbed elbows, written songs for and sang and been on stage with some of the big artists out there. I see it evolving. I don't know if it's fair for me to make an assessment these days because I'm not in the throes and right in the heart of it all. I can tell you this much, that my assessment of the music industry, where it used to be the music business, it's an industry now, it's all about brands, is that I don't hear a lot of soul in the music anymore. Nobody's testifying. Mm. Not a lot of soul. I turn on country radio and I try to appreciate what's being done. So, some people I just absolutely love that are very real. Some mm -hmm. you can tell are manufactured record company acts trying to get market shares. I, I think that it's because all of the independents, the creators, you know, back in the days when I was growing up, especially in the 70s, you would turn on the radio, you'd hear Doobie Brothers, you'd hear Donna Summer, you'd hear right. everybody was different, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody sounded different. Uh, and those were independent music makers in those days. These days, it's corporate music. You're making music for corporations. And the bottom line for any corporation is the dividends for their shareholders. So there, I always tell people, young people coming up that ask me questions, there is no God at the top of that money machine. All there is up there is greed and the need for more. So there's no soul at all in a corporation. Corporations don't feed, they don't breathe. They have people that work there that run them, but their main purpose is money. And anytime art and commerce come in contact with one another, one is always gonna suffer and it's always gonna be the art because commerce is the most important thing to people that uh, are in it for the money. Yeah, and I also think with everything you just said, the creative part of it too gets diminished as well. I, I tell this story, I'm not gonna say who it is, but I was sitting in a publisher's office back in mid eighties in Nashville and he comes in, I was sitting there with one of his writers, we were gonna write together and he says, hey, y'all write me a song like, why not me for the Judds? And they're getting ready to record. And I said, it's already been done. Why don't we write something that, no, we need a song like that so we can get in on the album. And I just have never been one to write, to paint uh, with the same brush, to, uh, to color within the lines. I always wanted to break new ground and do something different. So for me, that's is what's happened. It's write us, we've got to go in and get a producer that makes records that sound like other records today to get them on the radio so they sound like they fit in. And that is just a total turnoff for a real creator. And by the way, it's not the creative people that are issuing those orders. It's the people above them that don't have their talent that are saying, 
okay, we're going to sign you to this label uh, because you sound like so-and-so and, and um, we, we need you to make records like this and find songs like this. It's just, it's just, it's probably why I've never been a huge star. You know, that's interesting because, and it's funny you mentioned that because I just recently uh, watched a documentary on Dolly Parton, which she actually talked about how she had a struggle and survived to get her name out there because they wouldn't take her seriously at all. And it also compromised her creativity at a certain point, but she stuck by her guns and you know what? She, she was amazing. She still is amazing. And uh, it kind of really reflects exactly what you just said. Dolly has been a friend of our families. Her and Kenny did some duets. I was there that day they did Island in the Stream. I was recording in the studio next, uh, in the same building. There were three studios. And uh, uh, I was there when they did Islands in the Stream. I, I met Dolly several times. Don't know her real close. But I will. I want to say this about Dolly Parton. In my opinion, she's one of my musical heroes now because she is a true artist. And she writes what she hears in her head and uh she you know there's singers and mm -hmm. there's writers and then there's singer songwriters and those are the people like the john lennons and mccartney's and people that i looked up to so dolly in my opinion is a goddess in the music business i agree she's a pioneer absolutely she absolutely really she really is so i understand that you are going to have a family reunion tour maybe late in 21 is is we're that talking right? you know we're talking about that COVID has killed all the live as everybody knows nothing i think is going to happen as far as live playing until late summer or fall of next year and i've been thinking about taking out my two sons uh, who are both great songwriters singers great artists and myself and then maybe bringing in uh some video of Kenny and, and paying some homage to him and just make it a Rogers family reunion. That's my idea, but it's a little early right now. I can't plan anything because, and then when the venues do open up, you're going to have every artist in the world out there trying to uh, secure positions uh, in those venues. So we'll just see, but it's an idea that we have been uh, floating and talking to people about, and we seem to be getting a lot of good support. And I think being Dan Rogers and and uh, and the Kenny Rogers, uh, I think all that might help uh, open some doors for us to get a, to get into some of these venues. We hope. We'll see. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to see it. I would love to see it happen. Really do. Well, if, if I can't do it first class, I'm not going to do it. I've told uh, the team that. So. If we can go out and, and really give the audience a great feel of who the Rogers family, not just Kenny, but who the Rogers family is, where we come from, and uh, leave them with the impression that our family, you know, really was full of talented people. My grandfather was a fiddle player. His brothers played stringed instruments. So it didn't just start with Kenny. Kenny was just the first in the family to go out and really uh, make it big on international scene. So here's my uh, left field question that I ask everybody. So I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna include you in it. Where do you see yourself five years from now? You know, I, at my age, I'm in pretty darn good shape, and I'm eating really well. Um, uh, and so I've said to the agents and people, I think I got ten years left in me. Five years, definitely good. Five good years if I go out on the road. But five years from now. 
Gosh, I don't know. I, that's a tough one. I, it's I, a tough one, right? <laughs> it really is. Uh, I would hope that I'm still alive. I'm healthier course, than I am today. And I would hope that people are inspired by my story and by my music. Uh, and that uh, I'm maybe five years from now sitting here talking to you again. <laughs> well, this you know what? For me. I would love to meet you in person, actually. <laughs> that, that would be my one of my goals. So if I ever have that opportunity... I definitely would like to meet you in person, but like you know what I see, you know what I see in five years from now for you, success. I see success. Thank I see you. you branching out, and who knows, maybe reach out to people who are, who desperately need advice and help. And I think you'd be the right person for that. Thank you for that. You know, it's <laughs> yesterday I had a a fan that follows me, he and his wife on Facebook. Beautiful people, never met him, and he reached out to me. He knew my sobriety and said, "My daughter, our daughter, is on the streets." you know, just the disease has got her. So I just picked up the phone and called them yesterday afternoon and spoke with them for a while and tried to share my experience, strength and hope with them and give them a little encouragement. And it meant the world to them, but they didn't realize how much it meant to me to be able to just help somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we musicians, we artists are pretty narcissistic people. We have to be to get, to have any kind of success. Uh, so it's, it's all about trying to get out of me these days and help others. Excellent. It's beautiful. Mr. Rogers, give me some of your social media. Well, I have Dan Rogers. I have a, you know, I have a humorous side to me. So I built a big following with the Dan Rogers uh, personal page. And then the Dan Rogers business page, my likes page is where I post music videos. I'm also on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, if they want to talk to me that bad, they can give me 20 bucks and I'll call them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. And I know you have a website, too, right? So um, Yeah, danrogers.com. Dan with two ends. Dan with two ends. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have covered everything. It's, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. All the best to you and to your family and hopefully to get to see you uh, with the rest of the family next year. So stay safe. God bless. It's been fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for this episode of A Fit Life. I want to thank our very special guest, Mr. Dan Rogers, for a very interesting conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Any comments or questions you'd like to submit, you can do so at Heraldo Meglara on Instagram and Twitter. In closing, if you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. For a fit life, I'm Heraldo Meglara here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.